Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. And God used him in such a mighty way. And one of the prayers that was used in the Welsh revival that I'm going to share with you tonight, that's relevant tonight, is that the prayer of Evan Robert was, Oh Lord, the altar has been built. The wood has been laid. The sacrifice has been offered. And we will wait till the fire falls. I want to say that again because he is praying the prayer of this of this activity of 1 Kings chapter 8. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. If you notice in 1 Kings 18, the Bible says that Elijah at the time of the evening sacrifice repaired the altar. Then he laid the wood. Then he put the sacrifice on the altar. Then the fire fell. That this prayer of the Welsh revival is first we have to repair the altar. Second, after the altar altar is repaired, we have to lay the wood. That means we have to lay our will on the altar. We have to be willing to be bent. We have to bend ourselves in the presence of God. Bend our will in the presence of God. None of self, not some of self and some of thee, but none of self and all of thee. Are you with me, saints? If you are, say amen. Say, Lord, I'm willing to be bent. I want to be bent in your presence. Bend us, oh God. Bend us and break us. God, bend our wills. Bend what we want. Bend us to your will. Bend us to be yielded. That was the prayer of the Welsh revival. Hallelujah. Now, beloved saints, in order to understand the glory and the fire, because the fire that fell from heaven, we see the fire that fell from heaven in several different places in scripture. Number one, we see it in second Chronicles chapter seven, verse one, at the end of Solomon's prayer, that Bible says that the fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. We also see it in first Kings chapter 18, when Elijah was turning Israel back to God, he repaired the broken down altar. He laid the wood, he put the sacrifice and the fire fell from heaven. But we also see that the fire fell on the day of the dedication of the tabernacle. And we see that in Leviticus chapter nine. Go with me to Leviticus chapter nine, looking at verses 23 and 24. The Bible is going to show us that in every instance for the fire to fall, there had to be a sacrifice. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes God needs the sacrifice in the house and he will allow someone to go out of their way to supernaturally receive the grace of God to be able to bring fire into the service of God. Put your hands up and say, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing. 
I want to be the instrument that brings heaven down to earth because that's my anointing to bring heaven down to earth. That's what I've been called to do is to bring heaven down to earth. What is church without heaven on earth? What is it? It is just a club. If we can't bring heaven down to earth. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm way too busy for a social club. Hello, somebody. I said, we're way too busy. We've been there and done that. We're serious about God. We don't want to come to church for a social gathering. We want to come to church to experience the fire and the power of God. Are you with me? Jesus didn't die on the cross so we could have a social gathering. Jesus died on the cross so that we, beloved saints, could experience heaven on earth. And your anointing is to bring heaven down to earth. Notice what the Bible says, verse 23. The Bible tells us in verse 23, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Now watch verse 24. And a fire came out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat hallelujah and the Bible says when the people saw say this with me the visible presence of God when the people saw they shouted and they fell on their faces Say this with me. I want to see the glory. I claim Isaiah 60. That the glory of the Lord will be seen upon me. Hallelujah. I claim, I claim Isaiah 60 for the rebuilding of the ruins of Zion to experience the glory. Heaven on earth. Hallelujah. Visiting the church. And somebody ought to say amen. All right. So. We need to learn about three words tonight that are going to help us understand this, the presence of God. Okay, three words in Hebrew that are going to help us understand the presence of God. Now let me just explain a little bit about the Hebrew language. That'll help us a little bit. All right, all Hebrew words are only consonants. There's no vowels. So the vowels... They're written. There are vowels, but they're not written. And so the vowels are implied. So when you see a Hebrew word or you see an actual Torah written in Hebrew, you won't see any vowels. You will only see consonants. All right? And in every Hebrew word, whether it is a verb or a noun, there is a three-letter root. Say it with me, three-letter root. There's an important, there's, it's very important to know the root of a word. Do you know why? Because Hebrew is a, is a language of concepts. And so when you know the root of the word, you know the meaning of the word. 
the, the deep inward meaning that God chose. You see, Hebrew words are not just like English. In English, we'll do anything. We, we really are kind of limited. We'll use any word that comes out of our mouth in order to try to communicate a thought. Okay, so we'll say, oh, would you please sit down? But there's no concept between be, behind would you please sit down. All right, we'll say, oh, that's a chair. We don't have a concept behind the chair, okay? But every word in the Bible was picked from heaven. There are no incidental words. Every word is very deliberate. The prophets were inspired of God. And in that inspiration, God breathed his, his rhema. He breathed his word through the prophets. So every single word was selected by God to convey the concept in which that word means. That's why every word that's original is good to look at. So we know the concept. Okay, so the concept behind sacrifice, the word for sacrifice is korban. Say it with me, korban. But that doesn't really tell us anything, does it? It just tells us sacrifice. It's such a general word. So when we think of sacrifice, we think of, wow, any animal that they put on the altar was the sacrifice, and that must be the meaning. But we don't get to the meaning until we get to the three-letter root. And the three-letter root, if you put the vowels in the word, is the word karba. And do you know what? Korban is the word. Say sacrifice equals karban. Korban. But the root is karba. Say it with me. The root is karba. Okay, what does karba mean? That's the secret, isn't it? The secret of what sacrifice is, is hidden in the root. And what does karba mean? It means to draw near. Say it with me. Draw near. draw near. So that means whenever I sacrifice, I draw near. But guess what? I don't only draw near. Heaven draws near. So that means through sacrifice, heaven draws near and I pull down the presence of God out of heaven to earth. That means the way I bring heaven down to earth is through sacrifice. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? Now, we're going to go a little bit deeper, can we? Okay, the word for tabernacle is the word mikdash. Say it with me, mikdash. Or excuse me, mishkan. Say it with me, mishkan. And the word mishkan is a very important word. Mishkan means the whole tabernacle. Okay, it means the outward tabernacle, the outer court. It also can mean the inner court with it, but it's the whole entire tabernacle. It's all the tabernacle precincts. Set with me, the mishkan. The mishkan. Or sometimes you'll hear it referred to as the mishkan. It's the same thing. Mishkan or Mishkan, it is the same thing. Now, guess what? We need to look at the root, don't we? Do you really want to know what the tabernacle is about? If you do, say amen. Amen. Okay, so if we want to know the secret of the tabernacle, we have to look at the root. And what is the root of the Mishkan? The word Mishka. And do you know what Mishka means? Anointing. Somebody ought to say it means anointing. anointing. That means there's a special.
special kind of oil that is spoken of in Exodus chapter 30 that is the holy anointing oil and that oil is called the Shemin HaMishka do you see the Mishka and the Mishkan the Mishkan cannot be the Mishkan without the Mishka you cannot have a tabernacle without the anointing somebody somebody ought to say I need the anointing okay now we're gonna go just a little bit deeper ready because everything in the tabernacle is anointed there's nothing inside the tabernacle that isn't so the word mishkan there's only one extra letter added and that is the letter noon but if you take noon away you have mishka you have anointing this shall be a holy Shemin Hamishka, a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. It didn't just say a holy anointing unto me as long as this Mishkan endures, but it said throughout your generations. So that means all the concepts of the anointing that are in the tabernacle are eternal concepts. And if you want to know what the anointing is like and how to flow in the world of the anointing, study the tabernacle. Are you with me if you are? Say amen. All right, so we have Korban and we have Karbah, don't we? Draw near. So the purpose of sacrifice is to bring heaven down to earth. Say it. The purpose of sacrifice is to bring heaven down to earth. So that's why every time you see fire falling from heaven in 2 Chronicles 7, 1, and in Leviticus 9, 23 and 24, and also in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38, fire falling from heaven, it is because it consumed the sacrifice. There's one more word that's very important that is part of the tabernacle, that sometimes the tabernacle and the temple use this word. Okay, this is the word mikdash. Say it, mikdash. Okay, the mikdash technically sometimes is used as a term for the mishkan. Sometimes you will hear them not, they'll say, okay, the temple. They'll say the Beit HaMikdash. Mikdash is the temple or tabernacle, but it's a specific portion of it. It's not the whole thing. It's the portion where the sanctuary is. It's the portion that only the priests go into. It's called the Mikdash. In the Mikdash is the menorah. In the Mikdash is the table of showbread. In the Mikdash are all the holy furnishings that the Levites carried in the wilderness on their shoulders. And everything in the Mikdash is anointed. Nothing can be without the anointing oil in the Mikdash, that sanctuary. Now, to get the root letter of the root word of Mikdash, to know what is the secret 
of the sanctuary. Just like what is the secret of sacrifice? And what is the secret of the Mishkan itself? The secret of the Mishkan is the Mishka, the holy anointing oil. The secret of the Mikdash, I will tell you in a minute. And the secret of sacrifice is to draw near, bringing heaven down to earth. The secret of the word Mikdash is found in the suffix of the word. Kadash. Say it with me. Kadash. Say it again. To make holy. Kadash. Say it again. To make holy. Kadash. Or to change the vowelization. Kadosh. Say it. Kadosh. That means everything in it is separated. Everything in it belongs to God. That means that everything in that sanctuary belongs to another world. It doesn't belong to earth. It belongs to heaven. So everything that the anointing oil touches does not belong to this earth. It belongs to another world. It belongs to the world of the anointing. Somebody ought to say amen. God wants to bring the holy fire back. God wants to bring the fire this tish above. This tish above, we can actually experience the fire again. You might say, Dr. Corral, what does that fire look like? I'll tell you some of the attributes of fire. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and look just for a moment at verse 24. I want you to see this. Hallelujah. Say this with me. I want the attributes of fire in my life. Say it again. I want the attributes of fire in my life. Hallelujah. Because in a moment, we're going to pray for the fire to fall. Hallelujah. The Bible says in verse 24, and the key is also in verse 25. The Bible says, Yet you said, Behold, the Lord our God has showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. Say this with me. Holy fire brings the voice of God. Now I want you to know what kind of voice. The Bible tells us that Moses was in the backside of the desert and he saw the holy fire. He saw the bush burned and he wanted to know why the bush was not consumed. And the Bible says that he turned aside to see why the bush burned and it was not consumed. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 verse 4, and when God saw that Moses turned aside to see, see why the bush burned and it was not consumed that God called Moses out of the midst of the fire did you know you're being called when you're in holy fire holy fire brings out your calling holy fire brings you into the place of your calling and you will know who you are only through the holy fire The Lord said, Moses, Moses, 
I'm going to show you who you are. In the backside of the desert, he lost his identity. He's just a shepherd. He was the prince of Egypt, and he gave it all up. Seasons we feel like we've lost our identity. Seasons we feel we're in the backside of the desert and we don't know who we are anymore. Who am I? This is a dry period. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. I lost my direction. I feel like everything fell apart. I was one day the prince of Egypt. The next day, because of my own choices, I wanted it this way because I made a choice to please God and not man. He made a choice to rather enjoy, rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin with us for a season, to suffer affliction with the people of God. God says, in the desert, there's fire. Say this with me. In the stillness of the desert, the fire speaks. Come on. In the stillness of the desert, the fire speaks. In the stillness of the desert, the fire speaks. Somebody ought to say, in the stillness of the desert, the fire speaks. God calls me out of the fire. Hallelujah. Did you know that your fiery test and trial was for your good? because God called you out of the midst of it. Say this with me, if it hadn't been for my trial, if it hadn't been for the test, I would not serve God the way I'm serving him right now. He called me out of the midst of the fire and somebody ought to say, that is the reason for the holy fire. Somebody ought to give God the praise. This dish above, God is going to call you out of the midst of the holy fire. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to give God the praise and give God the glory. What else is the holy fire for? What are the attributes of the holy fire? Ezekiel saw the holy fire in another way. See, Jeremiah's version of Tishaboth was the burning temple. The people in the city of Jerusalem taken exile. Everything emptied out. But Ezekiel's version of Tishaboth is totally different. Ezekiel is going to see the spiritual realm and he is going to see the glory that becomes exiled, not just the people. And do you know how he sees the glory being exiled, taken off the city, going back to heaven? Because the Babylonians could not invade Jerusalem as long as the glory is on Jerusalem. As long as the glory is on you, no, no Babylonian can touch you. So the glory had to lift, had to go back, had to go back to heaven. That's what the whole book of Ezekiel is about. Read Ezekiel 1, you will understand that. 
And the Bible says, by the river Habar, where all of the captives met in Babylon, he was, ex he was deported to Babylon, along with his fellow Jews, in 606 BC, before the burning of Zion. And every night at sunset, the Jews would go down to the river to mourn Zion. And they would weep for Zion. And why did they choose the river? Because the river, the sun can reflect on the river and it looks golden. Because it's the closest memory they have to Zion. Because every night at Zion in the time of the evening sacrifice, the doors of Solomon's temple that were made of pure gold, when the sun would set, the gold would reflect off the doors. And the incense of the evening sacrifice would be going up. They have no more temple. It's burnt. So they want the closest, the closest identity and memory with Zion possible. So they go to the river. Psalm 137 speaks of it. By the rivers of Babylon, our captors made us sing a song, sing us songs of Zion. And the Bible says, there we hung up our harps. How can we sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land? For if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. They would sing it every night. And in one of those nights, evenings, not night, when the sun is setting, the water is the reflection of the sun and it's bright like Jerusalem. Ezekiel has a vision. The Bible says the heavens were opened and he saw the visions of God. And out of the midst of the north came a, a fire unfolding and out of the midst came four living creatures. He is going to see these awesome creatures that are going to show us a little bit about the spiritual realm. The Bible says every one of them had four faces and every one of them had four wings. And the Bible says, look, if you will, at Ezekiel 1 verse 9, I want to share with you a supernatural secret. These were creatures of fire. They were creatures of fire. They were the cherubim of fire. And they came down out of heaven with wheels, with the chariots of God to carry back off the city, the glory of the Lord to take it back to heaven. And the Bible says in verse 9, their wings were joined to one another. What does that mean? Their wings were joined to one another. Four living creatures with their wings joined to one another. This shows us something about the spiritual realm. If you really want the glory to fall because these were the creatures that guarded the glory. If you really want the glory to fall, you have to know something about one accord. The Bible teaches us that the glory cannot fall until we are all in one accord. I hope you understand this. 
The Bible says their wings were joined one to another and they turned not when they went. That means if you are going to experience the glory, you cannot look at anything else but Jesus. You can't look to the right. You can't look to the left. You can't be distracted on your burdens or your problems. You cannot have your mind on things of this world. You don't turn to the right or turn to the left when you are in the presence of God. But the Bible says everyone went straight forward. That means there's only one focus. And when you are in the presence of God, you cannot go backwards. You can only go forward. That means the glory brings you forward. The glory brings you to the next level. The glory brings you into the deeper things of God. Do you understand the glory of the Lord? The Bible tells us in verse 11, we see thus were their faces and their wings were stretched upward. The Bible isn't just telling us their wings were upward. The Bible is telling us something a little more than that. It says they were stretched upward. That means that the angels we're designed to show us what the glory of God is like. And when you are in the presence of the glory, you are stretched to the pinnacle of the place on earth to the highest place that you can be on earth upward. I hope you understand the glory brings you upward into the presence of God. Go with me to Second Chronicles chapter 5. And look at verse 13. This is our last scripture. Say one accord. one accord. You see, in the upper room, on the day of Pentecost, they had a fire-like experience. The Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like as of a mighty rushing wind. You see the rushing is with in Ezekiel's vision. He heard the rushing and all of the signs of Ezekiel's vision you see in the upper room. And the Bible says in second Chronicles five thirteen, and it came to pass. I want you to go to verse 12 first. Verse 12 says, also the Levites and the singers and all of them of Asaph and Haman, Ahemen, and the Bible says being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and harps and psalteries. The Bible says at the east end of the altar and with them, say with them, 120 priests say I heard that in the upper room there were 120 you ought to say this is like the day of Pentecost if you really want the fullness of God you are going to see what the Bible is teaching there were 120 priests sounding trumpets now watch this verse 13 and it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were one you see in the upper room they were in one of 
accord in one place. The angels had their wings joined together as one. You cannot be in the presence of the glory unless you are in that place of oneness in the spirit with what the spirit of God is doing. You cannot come into the glory out of protocol. You've got to be under the protocol of the anointing. If you are coming under the glory, somebody ought to say, teach me. Teach me, Holy Ghost, how to subordinate myself to the glory of the Lord. Somebody ought to shout the victory. With one sound, one voice, they were one. Now watch this. To be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music saying, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Then, then, somebody ought to say then. Say it again, then. Then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord. Now watch this. So that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Stand to your feet. Oh, He satara. She satara Oh, God, we give you praise. Shake it I believe the glory of God is in this place tonight. So many in this place are being touched right now. Sister Celeste, sweetie, more glory than you've ever known in your life. Here's what the Lord saying. These are the glory years. They're the glory years. God is going to reveal his glory to you and he's going to speak to you through the cloud of glory. And God, we give you praise and we give you praise, glory, and honor. And somebody ought to give God the praise. There are some of us in this place tonight that are being actually transformed into the glory. You've been going through it. Akashokana. Nekida kadashrokra, mekrapas titikana, mekushta kambrekati, mekrapatistekana, paikatistita. God is saying the deep things of God are going to be revealed to you more and more. God is saying that you are a prophetess to hear the voice of the Lord. God is saying He is anointing your inward faculties to be able to hear His voice. And God is saying, out of nowhere, just out of nowhere God's going to just bring his glory to you and speak to you about things to come. He is going to warn you in advance and he is going to bring you through. You will not be pulled down by any
anything the enemy is trying. You will have victory over everything that the enemy has put against you. Somebody should shout the glory. Somebody ought to worship. Somebody ought to praise God. Oh. We give you reverence. So arise to your rest. And be blessed. As your glory. In your embrace. Fills this place. Oh, the glory. Worship him. Of your presence. We your temple. We give you reverence. to your rest and be blessed in your embrace as your presence Hallelujah. I believe the young people in your ministry, pastors, Alfredo and Aurora, the young people in your ministry are going to have some of the greatest anointings of the gifts of the Spirit in this generation. God is raising you up to cultivate them in the supernatural. God is going to use them. And God is saying the youth ministry is going to increase more and more. God is bringing the young people and he's raising you up to train them in the deep things of God. So just know that you are being planted, young people. You are being planted for the things of God. And God is going to open the doors for you. All these wonderful young people from this church, God is going to raise you up to know the deep things of the spirit and to learn the deep things of the spirit and to love the deep things of the spirit and to serve faithfully in the deep things of the spirit. So praise God and worship him. Now, I, I just want to make this announcement at this time with us just standing under the glory. On Sunday night at our new center in Anaheim, there's a very special event. Pastor Benny Hinn is going to be with us. And I really want to encourage you to be there. And also on Thursday night, a special meeting is going to take place for ministers. And those in breath of the spirit that are under the mantle of the ministry with their own ministry, 
We are going to put together a time just for ministers to lay hands on you, to empower you, but also to, there's going to be questions and answers that we are going to spend time pouring in to the ministers of the next generation. So even if you're in the other generation, you're still welcome. If you are even intercessors or feel you have a ministry but haven't stepped into it yet, you should be there. This Thursday night, one is at our new building in Anaheim, the one on, um, the, what's the street? Woodland, on Woodland Drive. This, yeah, off of Magnolia uh, in Anaheim. So that's Sunday. But Thursday is in the regular building in Anaheim, two in Anaheim. So the Macomb uh, service, where Macomb is, that is where we are on Thursday. I want to invite you not to miss it. I really feel that ministers, because our vision, our vision in Breath of the Spirit, and we are going to take advantage of Pastor Benny being here with us to move in that direction of revival. So I'm going to ask, I've asked him to please focus on the revivals because that's where we're going to please focus on the leaders of the revivals of the last generation. So an earlier generation, so we can guide our people into that flow that the Holy Spirit wants. Okay. So, so it's going to be very unique meeting on Thursday night ministers are especially invited. And if you come to this ministry and you're a consecrated minister, or you have a ministry under this ministry or a church under this ministry, please be there. Don't miss the opportunity because we're going to guide out the questions that we're going to ask him that are just directed for revival, okay? And we're we're asking Pastor Benny to please lay hands on the ministers afterwards to impart the mantle from the last generation to this generation. So praise God. Don't want to miss this revival. Because we're in revival right now. We want revival. We want that anointing of that revival to be present in all the churches. Can you imagine every minister and pastor taking that glory back to their own churches and seeing healings, deliverances, and breakthroughs in their churches? A fire would spread. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. 
We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.